Welcome to the Share Life Podcast with Jason Scott Montoya, where we explore stories and systems to live better and work smarter. In this inspirational people interview on the Share Life Podcast, I'm speaking with Jason Tyne. Jason, say hello. Hello, hi everyone. Uh, Jason uh, is a speaker, author, and entrepreneur, empowering leaders around the world through his organization, Success Factory, while also teaching globally alongside other successful leaders like Damon John, Sarah Blakely, and Tony Robbins. He's also a husband, father, and student of human capacity with a strong foundation grounded in his relationship with God. My fellow Jason and I connected over 14 years ago, a whole lifetime ago, uh, when he was involved with an organization founded by Blair Singer, a Rich Dad, Poor Dad advisor. Uh, Jason's former company was a client of mine and uh, of my former uh, marketing agency, where we worked together in some successful and failed ways. After the shutdown of that, of my company, um, we ended up reconnecting to debrief on the lessons learned during that season of working together. And then again, in the past few years, while both attending the same North Point campus. So Jason, welcome. Thanks for, for joining me. I love uh, looking forward to having you share your life with us. Tell us about you and your story. Well, you kind of you kind of wrapped it up. I mean, uh, the major <laughs> my my life calling is about. I think this is the last part to what you said is that you know over time, I think my faith, uh, belief not only in God but in you know my own personal Savior Jesus Christ is what uh, has allowed me to figure out what I I believe is my passion or my calling in life, and it's it's really education. It's it's everything I've done is is around education. It's what is most inspiring to me. Yeah, so I feel. Like my calling is and wherever that calling takes me I've been blessed to be able to go around to a lot of countries in the world uh, I've been around a lot of interesting uh, people as well but ultimately I believe that um, you know my life is dedicated to using the God-given talents that I have to empower as many people as possible and whatever that means to them it means different things to different different people yeah um, you know I feel that as long as there's a human being on earth that there's a need to educate and as long as that is then I have something to do for my entire entire life uh, to educate a fellow human being and really help them uh, tap into their spirit understand what truth is understand that they are um, uh, I believe a a gift from God you know predestined for greatness and uh, sometimes it's hard to believe that sometimes it's hard to know that um, but my calling is to do that. And I, I happen to do it in the, in the secular world. I do it in the, yeah. in the business world. Uh, like you said, some things have been uh, great. Some things have not, not been great, but such as, such as life. And, you know, I have a family, I've uh, been, been married. I'm still, I'm still married. It'd be our 20 year anniversary this year. Yeah. And uh, you have a 16 year old son and a 13 year old daughter. So son that's is a he, junior. Is he driving yet? <laughs> He's driving has been driving for almost a year. So it yeah. was, uh, you know, it's always an interesting interesting thing it's um it's freedom for both people it's freedom for the parent for not having to drive them to soccer practice and all the places that they want to go and it's freedom for for the child as well but it also creates all all sorts of other emotions or yeah you know concerns that you know weren't weren't concerns before you're not really overly concerned when you're driving if you've been driving for 20 plus years and yeah you know here's your here's your firstborn child getting into your car and off into the world they go so yeah it's uh it's an interesting thing my wife um, is a travel agent. So she's an independent travel agent. She loves planning people's uh, trips and that's what she, she just loves yeah. to do. Loves to plan family vacations for people. I spend my time, you know, if I'm not working, I'm at my kids' soccer practices, watching them play soccer, cheering them out in their life. Um, and, 
Now, I, was, I was born and raised in, in Illinois, moved down yeah. to Atlanta, Georgia, where we call home, Swanee, Georgia. Been here since 2004 and uh, enjoy, enjoy living down here in, in Georgia. What was the, the catalyst for moving? It was a job opportunity I had from a, a friend that I knew from Chicago that had moved down to Atlanta. He became the chief marketing officer of a company down here in Atlanta. He was a good family friend of my wife, Carrie, and I. And uh, he had asked me if I would be interested in moving from Chicago down to, a, down to Atlanta to help him run this company. And you know, my wife and I, we didn't have any kids at the time. So we figured out, you know, what, <laughs> Where what was, it was your family. Did you have any family here or friends? Or was family, it... No, all of our families in Illinois at this point yeah. in time. Uh, my wife, Carrie, she has an identical twin sister. So, and she was in Chicago at the time, married. And uh, so we were leaving everything. Um, but we didn't have, like I said, we didn't have any children, didn't have a dog at the time, then nothing. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> let's just go. We both knew who this individual was. My wife, Carrie, also knew uh, this gentleman. So we felt comfortable with them and their family. And so we moved down and I was just, you know, I'm just the type of person that if it doesn't work out, I'll just move back to Chicago and go mm -hmm. back to doing, doing what I'm doing. And for me, it's, uh, I don't want to ever live in regret or not knowing or wish that I yeah. had done something. And, you know, my wife has always been supportive of trusting the process. And yeah. so we moved out and then, you know, we love it. None of our parents moved down, but Carrie's identical <laughs> twin sister did eventually yeah. move down. So she lives down in Midtown. Uh, just inside the city of Atlanta now. So, you know, that did, you, part did you find that leap of faith uh, being a huge uh, catalyst for just your own personal growth and transformation? I think, I think so. Just because, um, you know, a lot of people think that you have to do or be one thing for your entire part in, in your life. And uh, I just never bought it, bought into that subscription or bought into that that recipe that I can only do one thing or I'm going to have one job for my entire lifetime and so I've I've always been someone that w w believed in myself right and um you know this was just another one of those things yeah it was a leap of faith but it was also a belief in myself and that relationships take you where relationships take you uh, and if you honor those relationships, they open up doors to other other places. It's not that, you know, I'm going down there with the intention that this is going to be the only calling in my life. I'm, I'm always open to, you know, a tap on the shoulder or a door being opened or someone uh, yeah. asking my opinion about something. And so I've just I've learned over time, especially, yes, after moving down here, it was a catalyst probably for me uh, that to have the belief in myself and then it worked out and then it created another opportunity. And, you know, since then. You know, I've ultimately found my pur my purpose and my calling in life, and uh, it was only after yes, it was only after the us moving down to Atlanta and pursuing something that ultimately I landed on what my calling was. Yeah. So you you made the comment, you know, you you believed in yourself. Where did that come from? Is is that a personality thing, or is it something from your parents or somewhere else? How, how did that confidence grow? A combination of every, everything. I have great parents. They're still still married. A sister that's three years older than me. They always believed in me. Always supported me. I grew up playing baseball. It was a sport that I I love to play. It's one of the reasons why I still enjoy wearing a hat because, you know, when I wear a hat, it, it makes me focus, right? And yeah. you know, I'm going to work when I when I put my hat on, and it's you know, it's something that is is comforting to me. Uh, so growing up playing baseball, uh, my parents were at every game. Growing yeah. up, always cheering me on, always believing in me, always taking me to to the practices, always, you know, always at every game, regardless if it was in town or out of town. I don't, I don't really ever remember a game where my mom and dad weren't there, you know, cheering me on. I think that over time you grow, you grow that belief in yourself, and 
also coaches, right? And other players and other teammates and other people that you're around. It's, it's just like this whole context, this whole environment where people are believing in you and you'd be hard pressed not to believe in yourself, especially if you start to get, get some results. And if you put in the work and get the results, that's where the belief came from is other people believing in me. Mm -hmm. uh, and then my willingness to go put in the work. And I think over time, you know, you have enough experiences, good and bad ones that you go, you know what, regardless of it, it the good is good and, and the bad is a learning lesson. And if, as long as I'm willing to learn why something didn't work, then there's really no failure in life. There's really just, you know, an opportunity to, to continue to grow and continue to move on. And I think just over, over time that it's just the more life experiences you have, the more uh, that you're aware, the more that you pay attention to things, the more you realize, you know what, I do have what it takes to do what I want to do. Yeah, uh, I do believe in myself that, you know, even if I do make a mistake or if things don't work out, it's not the end. Yeah. And um, especially, you know, you have a strong uh, core, you know, foundation for me, it's, it's, it's Jesus, it's God, it's, you know, Holy Spirit, it's all the angels, it's, you know, the, the Bible, there's, there's, you know, there's, there's a reason for your life, things that you do, uh, for me, echoes against the backdrop of all of eternity, and I'm not just doing something only for this little short moment flicker of, of our life, it's that, you know, ultimately, you're preparing yourself for something else, and I think that that's yeah. what it just drives me and motivates me to just keep going and keep believing and uh, that there, you know, it's one mistake is not the end of anything. Yeah. So just a little tidbit, your hat has that little fire on it. And um, it just makes me think of, I think in Acts, it talks about the this Holy Spirit um, was like above their head. There's some kind of a visual imagery. So that just made me think of it. <laughs> um, but tell us about your faith journey. Like, how did that play out and and uh evolve over the life your life all right i i was my wife and i were both uh grew up in illinois uh both raised in a Ro roman catholic uh ho household you know my grandfather uh, is a italian guy my mom's uh dad is a little italian he's not here anymore he's passed away but um little Ita little italian guy and uh, my uncle was you know went to seminary school and he ultimately became the principal of a catholic uh, church in Illinois. So I was, I was raised in that environment. I was raised, you know, watching my grandpa every day go for a walk and say the rosary and just, you know, being, being committed. I always, always saw examples of that. I always saw examples of, you know, going to church and, you know, uh, allowing God to pray for you or you praying for other people and having that as, as a foundation of my life I, all growing up. My wife was the same way. She went to an all girls Catholic school in downtown Chicago. Mm -hmm. We moved down here to uh, to Georgia. We were kind of hard pressed to find a Catholic church in in Georgia. There's a yeah. couple of them, but it's a little, you know, a little different environment. Um, and I had lost my way a little bit, probably in college. I didn't, I wasn't going to church in college. And and then when uh, my wife Carrie and I started coming back together and you know dating and getting married, that became also a foundation of of our relationship and our marriage. Yeah. And then when we moved down here. It was hard to find a, a Catholic church. Uh, they weren't like the churches, you know in Chicago with like the big, you know, stained glass and the big yeah. organ, like just like the, the way that, you know, wasn't, the, wasn't the same. So it kind of created like a pattern interruption in, in our yeah. brain. <laughs> the feeling of going to church was a little different. It was a different type of building than, you know, than what we thought was, was the church. And so it just led me down a journey. At that point, I started traveling around the world and I started uh, kind of questioning everything. It was the first time I had gone to other countries. It was the first time I had um, great relationships with people of multiple faiths. 
Mm-hmm. You know, so I met people from India that were deep into Hinduism. I met people in Asia that were deep in like Buddhism. And so it led me to a realization that I was pretty ignorant and mm-hmm. arrogant. I really didn't know anything about anything. I didn't yeah. know what anyone else believed. I never spent the time to figure out what anyone else believed. And so I just made it a point that I was, whenever I would travel to go speak at an event, I would also try to go visit a uh, spiritual or religious institution that was germane to that culture just to try to understand so you know in the middle east i would go and i asked is okay if i can come watch you know the different prayer times and watch them pray the you know multiple times a day and when i was you know could i go to a buddhist temple and could i really understand and so i ended up you know buying like the teachings of the buddha and like hinduism and like i started buying books from the author the you know the people that wrote those books and Ultimately, what I landed on was, geez, I haven't really read the Bible the way I've read some of these <laughs> other books because, you know, not the you know, good or bad. I mean, in yeah. the Catholic Church, you really don't sit down and like do mm-hmm. Bible study. It's more, you know, uh, reciting of, of different things. And it's not right. Or, you know, it's just is, yeah. is what it is. And so I'm like, you know what? I've never read the Bible for myself without someone else's interpretation mm-hmm. telling me what it says. And so uh, and so I did. And that's when you know, the, the truth was the truth was the truth, you know, the truth when you, when you hear the truth and that, and that just became the ultimate thing for me is that I believed, uh, who Jesus was, who he is, uh, what he did, that he, um, a personal, you know, savior, he's the Lord and savior for me. And, you know, that's, that is what it is. And then ultimately we started finding, you know, churches that supported that or environments that supported that reality. That's what led us going to, you know, some neighbors of ours told us to go to North Point church. And so we went to North Point and, you know, we went in there. It was a little different in the beginning because it's different than a Catholic church, right? So, you know, yeah. you got live live music and uh, to me, which is great because I love music, right? Yeah. And you know, that imme- immediately captured me, captured my attention mm-hmm. and drew, drew me in was the, the feeling. I've always loved reggae music. I've always loved Bob Marley's music and Bob okay. Marley has a lyric that has always stuck with me. It's that the one good thing about music is that when it hits, you feel no pain. I think that music has a tremendous healing effect. I, for me personally, I get, you know, replenished listening to music. It fills me up. And uh, so that's what, ca- you know, captured me in the beginning. And then, and, you know, we got into some small groups, you know, at the church and then realized that this is a, a pretty great uh, environment that sticks to the truth. That is what we believe in is supportive of, of who we are and the way that we want to live our life and the way that we want to see um other people see us living our lives so yeah it's been it's been a great it's been a great journey what what is uh since you're going to north point i mean how has andy stanley influenced um your ex your learning about your faith and your relationship with god and the bible um well i think you know probably the last point it's not just you know what what's just in in the bible it's who the bible is talking about you know in particular and so i've been around a lot of uh people in the teaching and education environment and so I enjoy someone like Andy who has an ability to communicate uh, an idea a a message in today's relevant way of communicating and I think that he strikes a a great balance between um, biblical truths truths of who Jesus is uh, with the reality of what's going on in the world and that regardless of what's happening in the world there's always one thing that is you know remains the same yeah and uh, to not be swayed or take your eyes off of him but not to be you know misses you know 
misaligned or anything like that. That's the, the, the reason why the Bible was written was about a person uh, yeah. and about, about somebody as opposed to, oh, I got, I have to believe the Bible just because mm-hmm. it's the Bible, right? So it's who it's, ta- who the Bible is yeah. talking about. Important to me. So you're, you're traveling with and speaking and moderating with a lot of um, people that, that we might know their names. I mentioned a couple um, like Tony Robbins, Damon John. I, I don't know what their beliefs are. I imagine some of these people are Christians, some aren't, you know, how, do, how is it, what's it like to be a Christian in, in that world? And, and how are you able to, to be a light um, in the midst of, of that experience, either on stage or off stage or both? Or It's always been, uh, it's been a learning, right? To understand, you know, especially the more that you grow in your faith, the more that you really want to focus on your faith, at least in my, in my experience, the more that that's, those are the conversations I, w- I want to have. And then you're thrown into an environment where everyone's coming to learn about making money you know, being better, creating a business, those kinds of things. And what I learned over time is, is many of these people actually do have a Christian mm-hmm. uh, faith. They actually do have a strong foundation that guides them. And that's the reason why they do what they do. And so I found um, in, those envir- in those environments that you could teach biblically based principles without pulling out the Bible or without telling someone, hey, this is, this is what it says. And, you know, in this verse, it's really more of a principle and yeah. it's a way what's a way to live your life and that you know it's not money that that's difficult there's so many things that are that can be prosperous about it and as long as you're a good steward of what you do and you're a good steward of your resources whether it's your your talents or your money or your gifts or your energy or whatever it is that you do you have the opportunity to impact people and I learned to to use it as a as a platform I'm not a, a pastor of a church but I've I've used it as a platform of my own personal ministry that when I speak, I speak uh, from that pers- that perspective, that point of view. And I think the people, it opens up conversations, especially in other countries where they may not have the Bible or those kinds mm-hmm. of things. I'll often ask, you know, where do you get your energy from? Or, you know, you have a different, different type of energy about you, or could you tell me about that? And that opens up, you know, a personal conversation. And so that's just, you know, I think it, it's yeah. just, a, it's just a platform it's not better or worse than anyone else's. It's just a platform to, to do what you do. And I just happen to be in that platform and in other ones at the moment that allow me the opportunity just to continue to live life a certain way while also, you know, being in, being in the world and building businesses and doing good things for people. Yeah. So when you think about like the phrase live better, um, what does, what does that mean to you? I mean, you talk a lot about human potential and, and, um, being what we're destined to be. I mean, how do you define that? What does that look like? Uh, how do you move towards it? Uh, I look at it in terms of like, um, four levels of, of wealth for, for people like a living better is, can I get better? Uh, ultimately in my, in my spiritual life. So that's like, to me, the ultimate form of, of wealth is your spiritual uh, is your spiritual wealth. And so living better every day, do, do I, how do I wake up in the day? Do I wake up in the day grateful or not grateful? And, uh, do I spend time, uh, alone? Do I spend time with God? Do I spend, do, am I doing things that I believe are ultimately going to put me in the right intention to go into the day? So living better is, is, is for me as intentional that way. So it starts with like spiritual wealth. And then Underneath the spiritual wealth is knowledge wealth is, is what do I know? What do I do? And what do I do with what I know? Like, I love to read. I mean, I know you like to read. I know you like to be educated. I know you like to learn. You write books, you write, you know, do all kinds of things. And so I enjoy that as well. I enjoy learning. 
but I enjoy putting what I learn into practice. And I see that as a form of wealth. And that's why I love education is I love to educate other people. And if I don't have life experiences, whether they're good or they're bad, and if I haven't actually put things into practice, then I have a hard time filling up other people's cups or, you know, pouring, pouring into people. So to me, that's living better. It's can I get a little bit better every day? I read, I try to get better. I try to teach. I try to educate every day. I try to do it in some form or, or fashion. And then relationships, getting better, living life a little better every single day with relationships, whether it's my with my wife or my children or the people that I work with. But, you know, the, the spiritual wealth, it's, you know, knowledge, wealth, life experience, then relational wealth. And then ultimately, uh, it's money. And, you know, are you a good steward of money? Are you you know, are you creating environments for resources to come towards you? And if they do come towards you, do you do good things with them? And where, where do you disperse those resources? So those are the basically the four categories, the ways that I look through life. Yeah. And so better in, in those ways. And every day is sometimes you're good and sometimes you're not good. Right. So, but it's, you know, spiritual, it's knowledge, it's, you know, life experience, it's relationships, and then it's, you know, resource. Yeah. And, I mean, so how does that obviously health? I mean, health is always, you know, something that you pay pay attention to as well. And I've gone up and down with being, you know, overly committed to, you know, just working out <laughs> and being the most physically fit person to maintaining and just living, trying to live a healthy lifestyle. Yeah. Being more focused on, you know, the spiritual side and the experiential side. Yeah. So how does that translate to the work side? Like, what does it mean to work smarter or wiser? Um Tell us uh, the application there. Uh, the application there is being, being willing to not not uh, waver on what you know or you know dis, discard your life experiences uh, and knowing knowing what you know. And when you know what you know and you go into to business, you may not have all the answers to everything, but I think over time what it allows you to do is it gives you a framework for making a decision. It gives you a framework for communicating with people. It gives you a framework for you know, agreements, it gives you a framework for disagreements, right? It gives you a framework for negotiating something. And so in the, in the business world, you know, business, you know, I had an opportunity of traveling around the world with a guy by the name of Robert Kiyosaki, who wrote the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad and Cashflow Quadrant. And he would joke oftentimes the business would be a lot easier if there were no people involved. <laughs> yeah. But unfortunately there's people involved. And so, you know, that framework, you know, you're always going to, there's always going to be a problem. There's always going to be a challenge. There's always going to be a disagreement. Somebody's feelings are going to get hurt. Somebody's ego wants to be bigger than someone else's ego. Somebody wants credit for something, you know, and, you know, so those, there's always a problem. There's always a problem in business. And so for me, it just gives me a great framework of, you know, dealing with the reality of a problem without getting, you know, overly emotionally charged by something that I think that I, I come into a pretty, pretty calm and and rational just because of my life experiences and that ultimately you know knowing that if there's clear heads that are sitting in a room you'll come to a solution you'll find a solution for something but ultimately it's a decision-making framework yeah yeah that's interesting um i did hear robert c kiyosaki speak once at a blair singer event in phoenix so um so yeah that's that's fun what um you, you talk a lot about education and particularly you have an interest in global education or a vision why why do you have that why why think that way versus um either locally or or even within our country you're you're thinking you're thinking big play big as as you say all the time so tell us about tell us about that i think it's probably just because i had an opportunity to, to travel around the world doing what i was doing um 
and it opened up my eyes to the world. It was the first time I really ever traveled outside of the United States, you know, gone into other countries, you know, they have different languages, different cultures, different beliefs, different backgrounds. I think, you know, I've been to like over 35 countries and um, it just, it, it opened up my eyes to the reality of people all over the world that everyone is basically the same. Right. Everyone's got two eyes. They have two ears and nose and a mouth and uh, that they're trying to do the best they can for them and their family with whatever they've been taught. And, um, you, know, it's, you know, it's not right or wrong. It just it just is what it is. And I think that, you know, I just I, I gained a, a respect for for all different people, um, different faiths, different cultures and the way that they live, the things that they do. And I just I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed being able to go to these cultures. I've enjoyed being able to build great relationships with people in in so many different countries i probably have a lot more friends outside of the united states now than i do you know just like in my own neighborhood around here i spend more time with people in other countries and i enjoy it i just i i love it i love i love going there i love the way that i'm you know that they welcome me when i go there and it just it makes me you know, want to care about uh, all humans or humanity in, in total, as opposed to, oh, well, just someone that's here. Yeah, I just, I feel like that's for whatever is part of part of my calling. Other people, part of their calling is is right here, you know, where they are. They don't feel the need to have to go anywhere. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. You know, I just, for whatever reason, doors had opened up to me that allowed me to go out into the world. Yeah. And, you know, I just... I, I honor that. I receive that. I'm like, okay, well, I guess that's, you know, that's <laughs> where, where I'm called to be. So as long yeah. as the opportunities are there and, you know, you have the ability to be effective with people, then I'll continue to do it because I enjoy it. Yeah. So what, what, what would you say is the value for you as a person growing, like an individual, like I think most Americans or a large portion may not ever travel, travel globally, or they may do it in a limited capacity. But you, you talk about traveling globally, experience in other cultures. You also research all these other religions. What is it about that process that is transformative? And, and what's the value there that, that you might encourage someone to get outside of their bubble um, because, because there's value in doing that? What, what would you say to that person? There's value in understanding reality for yourself, right? So, you know, it's good to go to all these places, but I also, uh, when I'm gone for more than seven days, I want to come back home. Yeah. (laughs) Home is a, is a comforting place. It's a, it's a known place. And, you know, obviously my home, you know, my family is filled, filled with love. And so, uh, when you, for me, when I go other places, I'm able to connect and learn and grow. I think that it makes you less ignorant, right. And it makes you less arrogant and, I don't need to be told by other people how p- other people are, right? I just I don't need someone else to give me their uh, prescription of what a certain type of person is or isn't, or what a certain type of religion is or isn't, what a certain type of country is or isn't. I don't want to be in the in the walking generalities of mm-hmm. that's what it is. For me, it's my own life experience, and it's you know. You know, when I go, I learn. And when I go, I, you build a relationship with another human being. And you realize that, that like I said, the main thing is that everyone's just like you, right? Yeah. Everyone yeah. Is, try, is trying to live their life. Everyone is trying to do the best they can with what they know, with what they've been taught. And they want their next generation to have a better life than what they have. Mm-hmm. And I, to me, that's, that's inspiring. To me, that's, you know, gives me hope in, in, in the human race and gives me hope in, 
and who we are and why we're here yeah. and, what, and what we're called to do. And, you know, allows me to, to remain dedicated and committed to just wanting to educate in my own little way of, of educating and have my own little dent in the world and do my, do my thing. Because I think that it has a ripple effect, whether you see it or you don't see it, you know, when you interact with people, you know, when people teach people person to person, it, it opens up opportunities for them. It may make them aware. They may see something they've never seen before. They may hear something that they've never heard before, or they may hear something that they've never felt before, just because you had, they had an interaction and maybe they weren't, didn't have the opportunity to leave their country and come to the United States. And they may have a perception of what an American is or what the United yeah. States is. And, and here comes along somebody else that is, you know, just trying to live a life full of compassion and, and getting things done at the same time. And that they can, they can open up their eyes too. So, you know, they may not have the means to travel here, but by me being there, they may get a different perspective on what and what and who we are too. Yeah. So you're kind of describing just really this idea of traversing into the unknown and then also on, on the flip side, wanting to return to what is known, the comfort of home. But as an entrepreneur, you're certainly uh, diving into the the unknown regions of, of life and work and business. So um, how, how do you go about that? Like, what is it about um, that type of a mission that's appealing to you? Uh, for me, it's teaching people how to get through some of the simplicities of, the, of their life, which are challenges for most people. Yeah. Right? So most yeah. businesses that I've been uh, involved with are trying to combat what is probably a challenge for most people. Number one, making money, right? Number two, keeping it. And then number three, multiplying it. Yeah. And, you know, most people have a hard time with that anywhere in the world, right? So, you know, most people have a hard time making money. And even if they do make money, the second one becomes a problem, which is keeping it, right? So if someone makes $100, the natural human nature thing is to spend $100. If they make 1000 they spend 1000 If they make 5000 they spend 5000 If they make 10000 they spend yeah. 10000 And you can also learn that there's many multimillionaires in the world and people I've been around it. They have to make $5 million a year because that's their expenses are, are that high. Mm -hmm. And you know, in a I, way they're, they're not living sustainably. No, there's in, you know, Andy Stanley with, with teaching it, it stuck in me. It, it was probably many, many years ago. Um, it was, you know, breathing room he used a phrase mm -hmm. called breathing room. Yeah. You have any yeah. Room? Is there anything left over? What's the margin? That you have and so you know that's a that's something i feel pa passionate about and so most of the businesses that i'm involved with or the products that we offer out is to show people how to solve some of the challenges that most people have that cause concern that cause disagreements that cause strife fear worry anxiety doubt you know all those things is usually around money right and my ability to make it or my ability to keep it or will i ever have enough or will i ever retire yeah. or what will ever happen and for me it's the third one multiplying it's an intergenerational wealth and the old biblical principle of having something left over for your kids kids yeah right so through through multiple generations and um you know businesses that way business is a means to provide resource yeah and um so that's that's what that's what motivates me yeah so you you obviously love and have a passion for for um, educating people and teaching people and mentoring people. What, what does effective mentorship look like? Good question. <laughs> it's the ability to take someone further than they would have been able to go by themselves. Right. And um, imparting in them the, the, like the belief in themselves, right. The, the belief that um, they have unique talents, they have unique gifts 
they have the ability to become self-aware, that they have the ability to, to manage themselves, that they have the ability to work through emotions, uh, that they have the ability to, to dream big dreams, that they have the ability to chase after their destiny. And that, you know, when you're, you mentor people and you, you work with them, it's, it's trying for me, you, you had used the word that I focus on, which in my, when you're introducing me is that I've been a student of human capacity and capacity has been an important word for me or a, a marker for me visually is that uh, capacity is extremely important, uh, especially in mentorship. So in mentorship, there, there, there's like a difference between capability and then capacity. So yeah. a lot of people focus on their capability. So for example, in business, my capability is more around my ability to do something, right? So am I capable of going to the gym and lifting a 10 pound dumbbell? Yeah, I'm capable of lifting a 10 pound dumbbell. So capability is my ability to do something. Capacity means how effective and how efficient am I when I do it, right? So can I lift a 10 pound dumbbell? Yeah, but what's my capacity for how many reps can I lift a 10 pound dumbbell for? And am I effective and efficient when I'm doing it? So am I capable of selling? Am I capable of marketing? Am I capable of leadership? Am I capable of cash flow? Am I capable of growing a business? Am I capable of doing all these things? But I realized that your capabilities always hit up against the boundary of your capacity, right? So you can never go beyond your capacity. So you can be the most capable person in the world, but if you, you don't have a capacity, then you're always limited by your capacity. So if I could increase your capacity, your capabilities can grow to, to match it. And it's like blowing up a balloon, right? The, the balloon is capable of being, blown, of being blown up, right? But at some point it reaches its capacity. And if it goes beyond the capacity, it blows, it blows apart and then all yeah. the air dissipated. And the same thing's true. Like if I blow up a balloon and then I tie the balloon off and think that I don't have to grow anymore, and I just leave the balloon on, on my desk and I think that I don't have to do anything more. I don't need more mentorship. I don't need more guidance. I don't need more anything. What happens over time is that the air leaves the balloon and the, the capacity of the balloon shrivels, right? It gets smaller. And so that's been my experience with people as well is that everybody needs to be able to look at themselves and realize that I can always increase my capacity. I can always increase my capacity to learn. I can increase my capacity uh, to to interact with people, I can increase my capacity in building relationships. I can increase my capacity for for everything, and so the two the two go hand in hand: capability and capacity. But in mentorship, and I try to focus more on people's capacity, and the capacity for me is driven by driven by your spirit, right? So you could be limited by your ego, right, which would be a limiting thing on your capacity because you're so worried and so doubtful and so driven by fear that you don't realize that the opposite of fear is love and love has an infinite capacity, right? It's, it's forever. And so, you know, when I look at the design of the universe, it's like immense, it's large, it's, there's enormous capacity in the, in, in the universe, but it's still extremely efficient, right? Nature yeah. is extremely efficient. It has an enormous capacity. And so I think the same thing is true for human beings. And so in, in mentorship, that's what I'm looking at or, guiding people through is more their their capacity their limiting beliefs of what they believe and why do they believe that and uh if they could find a different reality and create a different habit or to create a different behavior that maybe their capacity would increase and then if their capacity increased 
if you're more effective and more efficient, you don't have to spend as much time doing what you used to have to spend time doing to get the same result. It actually becomes easier. Yeah. And so is in that sense, is, is the um, activity of mentorship for you to identify those beliefs and the drivers of those beliefs? And then if, if they're problematic to break them down and replace them? It is and making people aware, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think um, in, a, in a way of educating or mentoring, it's the self-awareness is the most important, right? Because yeah. if someone isn't self-aware, there's nothing you could say to that person that will make them want to change. Yeah. I don't see any need, any need to change. So right? what have you found is the types of things that trigger people to want that for themselves? Um, to want to change. Yeah. When they don't want to change, then they start to change. Like what's, what are the triggers that you tend to see that? Yeah. It, could, it could be a lot of different things for most people. And they're in a, they're in a point of pain yeah. or a point of um, desperation, or they're in a point of, you know, being tired of allowing themselves to make excuses for themselves or, you know, settling and just being okay with being, being okay that, you know, for whatever reason, that's fine to just, to just be that way. There's yeah. gotta be some, there's gotta be some, some spark, right? There's gotta yeah. be some trigger. There's gotta be some moment, some, you know, people call it an aha moment or a, some, something occurs in the individual, right. That, uh, makes them self-aware that makes them see themselves. Wow. Geez, I can see how this has, is limiting me, or I could see, uh, that my, my destiny is something that's far greater than, than what I'm allowing myself to play play the game at the moment. That's why I always say play, play big, because, you know, if you're going to, it is a game, right. It's like, I can get trapped in my own belief system, but you know, people will, there's some moment, there's some trigger, there's some, sometimes it's negative, sometimes it's positive. Yeah. Waking them up to their own self-awareness that goes, okay. uh, Now that I'm aware, now I have a choice, right. Yeah. Do something about it or I'm not going to do something about it. And the pain of not doing something about it has to be greater than, you know, moving forward. So, yeah. So let's talk about those stories. Like when you think about real or fictional stories, how have these stories or narratives shaped you as a person, or what are some of the stories that have uh, inspired you? Um, I think for me being, being around, you know, some of the people I've been around, um, people that are speaking from, from a, from a stage, people that people would know, uh, whether you watch, um, sports or you watch people that are champions or you watch your own, your own kids or your own family, you know, do, do different things. For me, it's always, I'm always inspired by someone that gets told that they can't do something that they're not good enough. Yeah. And they don't give up and they go do the, the tough, quiet work. And they come, they, they come back, you know? So for me, it's, you know, um, I grew up in Chicago, around Chicago. So obviously growing up watching Michael Jordan play basketball, he's always has been, and still is someone that I look at as, as like a a champion as someone that is, you know, got cut from a high school basketball team, uh, but used that to as determination, right. As a reason to work harder and, um, to, to ultimately become, become great and not be a one-time champion, but not a repeat champion, but a three-time champion, you know, two different times, two different times. And, uh, people that do that. So uh, uh, people that are in athletes, people that are champions, people that are going after their life, people that are, 
you know, get beat down and then go do something. I've been around Tony Robbins, who was grew up in a, a broken home. You know, he had four different fathers uh, when he was a teenager, was uh, pretty well, what people consider a poor home. And um, somebody came to his home to give him, uh, him and his family, you know, a Thanksgiving dinner. And one of his stepdads turned it away in pride. And he remembered as a teenager that he knew that they were hungry and he knew that his stepdad knew that they were hungry, but yet he turned away a willing person to provide help and support. And that was like a, an anchoring thing in his mind to now, you know, he's out doing, doing what he, doing what he does, has over a hundred companies, does $7 billion a year in revenue in all of his companies but uses it as a means to go and feed over 20 million fam families around the world. Mm. Right. So I love stories of, you know, something that happened to somebody yeah, and let it become the reason why they never became something yeah. they use as a catalyst to go and become something great. And uh, he essentially wants to make sure no one ever has to experience what he did. That's right. He knew what it, he knew what it felt like. Yeah, and people to, to know what it feels like, you know, so for even for me, for, you know, like my own uh, son from, you know, being competitive and playing soccer to getting cut from a high school soccer team his freshman year, uh, not making the high school soccer team his freshman year to not giving up uh, and, you know, working hard during the summer and in the fall time to go back and make the high school soccer team again the next year, the following year as a sophomore. And so stories like that are inspiring to me that, you know, you, you can come from anywhere. So for me, it's always the the unwillingness uh, to give up, um, yeah. the unwillingness to give in, the unwillingness to uh, not persevere. So the the stories of, of champions are yeah. are great. So you, you must love the Rocky movies. <laughs> the Rocky movies, you know, <laughs> any 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 comeback. Yeah, yeah. So you also talk a lot about systems. You teach systems. How do you think and use systems personally in your in your work? in life community well, i've learned um actually through a mentor of mine the difference between a system and a process right so a system you know i used to be just into systems but i'd always forget the process hmm. right often that people say there's a system and a, and a process and i never really probably until like five years ago really understood the actual difference between a system and a process yeah. And then finally, a mentor of mine, even though he had been teaching me the same thing for like 10 years, finally, I don't know, I've just been a slow learner on the system side. And finally, the, the light bulb went off in my brain. And the way that he explained it to me was a system is usually like a step by step system. So step one, step two, step three, step four, step five, this is a system that you follow. Right. Uh, and the process is where all the magic is. Okay. Right. So the, the magic is in the process because the process is the way that you move through the system. Right? It's the methodology of moving through the system and the methodology of you moving through the system and you teaching other people how to move through the system because everybody's different. And right. So everybody has a different way that they want to move through us through a system. And so uh, for me, I've become, you know, systems are important, but I focus more on the process of how do I move somebody through that system? Mm. And so you know, same thing would be true for like weight loss. Like there's a, a real simple system for getting physically fit is to eat right and exercise, right? There's your two-step system for getting financially fit, right? But then there's a process and the process is different for everyone based on your, your body and your physique or what you have available to you or what you have access to or what your budget is or what it is. So 
you know, then you have the process of moving through the steps of eating right. That's a whole process unto itself of eating right. They could have its own system. And then same thing with getting phys physically fit. So for me, systems um, has always had and now has this other side of the coin, which is process that has been more magical to me than just the system itself. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, are, are you, would you consider yourself a process and system developer or do you like to use ones that you, that others create and use them uh, or a combination of the two? Whatever one works. Yeah. I don't, um, I used to want to have the an answers to, to everything to feel like I, I knew how, how to do something. Now I'm much more, whichever one is going to work based off of the capacity, right? Whichever one is more effective and more efficient for me, that's the, that's the one to go with that gets, that gets the result, right. With the least amount of work. Yeah. Right. So as long as it's effective and efficient, then um, for me, it's no problem. Yeah. So what else did you want to share with us today before we uh, start wrapping up here? Not too much, man. Other than, you know, I appreciate the opportunity to have a conversation. I'm glad that our lives have uh, come and gone and cross paths and in, in different arenas and different avenues at different points in our, in our life. I appreciate who you are. I appreciate what you do. I appreciate, you know, you living, living your life the way, you know, you live your life and, you know, sharing and, and doing things that are around your calling or around your, your talents. And so I, I just, I, I honor you for that. I admire you for that. I admire your courage. I admire, you know, your willingness to, to put yourself out there and, you know, the way that you, live your life you've always been a willing participant you've always been uh, a friendly handshake uh, someone that wants to have a conversation and someone that actually is intrigued they're actually interested in in other people and i uh i find that amazing yeah well thank you so much for for the kind words any uh final words of wisdom to anyone that might be listening nope just uh what i say is ride the wave of life and play big don't be afraid to to chase after your dreams and don't be afraid to chase after your destiny. It's the reason why God created you in the first place is you have a specific destiny for you and you may have a vision for your life that nobody else sees and nobody else understands and nobody else can uh, rationalize why you do the things that you do, but that never let go of that vision of the destiny God put inside of you. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing how, if people are interested in, in uh, what you're up to, how can they connect with you, follow you, uh, get updates? I, was, I don't, I'm not a big social media person. I mean, I, you can connect with me on LinkedIn if you wanted to. Uh, you can connect with me on probably Instagram. It's probably the one I would go on to the most. That's probably the place I would put the most, you know, pictures or a story or a travel of something that I'm doing. It's always just like at play big. Okay. And then uh, any, any company uh, sites that you want to? Uh, company sites. Yeah. I mean, we, the, this is the company logo that uh, I have now. It's Success Factory. I was um, based out of the Netherlands. And so we have a big company that's based there. We're opening up an office here in the United States uh, very shortly. So we're opening up the U.S. division of Success Factory. And we teach people, you know, how to make money in, in uh, foreign exchange markets. And we're also building a uh, virtual reality platform. So we're doing some cool, cool, fun things here in the, in the U.S. And when we get our office, I'll have you over there. We'll have a nice, cool studio. All right. That, you know, it's where your background is. So maybe some interesting times ahead. Yeah, sounds good. Well, thank you so much for, for sharing your life. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Share Life. For additional stories and systems to live better and work smarter, 
visit jasonscottmontoya.com. That's jasonscottmontoya.com. We look forward to having you listen in on the next episode of Share Life.